0: I would say that you have. When you think about sex, you have to think about Jesus. Uh, no one wants to think about sex and Jesus together, right? That's kind of where you go to run from Jesus, right? Uh, some of some of us run run from him, going to sex. But to think about sex rightly, I'm going to make the case that you've got to think about Jesus. Okay, that's just to have that in your minds as you're reading through this text with me this this, this evening, and so. When we get to verse 31, just zoom in on that verse and note that there's quotation marks there. That's that's from Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, when God instituted marriage and sex. Sex is no cosmic accident that that sex is pleasurable and a fun and good thing uh, for people to engage in. But God put it in a a relationship between a man and his wife. And so when he institutes sex, he, he says it'll be a one flesh union. So we're going to look at that profound mystery of that relationship in marriage with sex, this evening. So follow along with me, verse 22 in Ephesians 5. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives For no one ever hated his own flesh or body, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does for the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and what I'm saying is that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Grass withers, flower fades, but our word of God, his word shall stand forever. Uh, let's pray and ask him to be with us in this. Uh, Lord, as we study your word, we have so many emotions that come to mind when we read about marriage and families. And, uh, some of us are broken, from broken homes and, and our mamas and daddies don't. Uh, really embody uh, what this calls each of us to do. And, and so in those times, when we, and some of us are getting married, uh, some of us are engaged. Uh, we, have, we have all kinds of thoughts about what that's going to be like. Some of us want to be married. Um, and so some of us just don't know what to think about sex in general. Uh, we get bombarded with images of sexual um, uh, references all day long. And so, as we are confused uh, from our own experience, our own personalities, our, own, uh, the, the, our the things we, we endure every day, um, would, you come, would you be with us in that, Jesus? Would you help us? Would you teach us? Some of us are very excited about sex. We want to get into that. Uh, we, we want to have good sex. We, we see that it's a great thing. And, and Lord, prepare us to think through it and to feel it. And to see uh, the beauty of it all and understand it in a grander way than we've ever considered it before. Would you be kind to us in that way, Lord Jesus, tonight? we pray? Would your spirit be with us and help us to understand? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, again, far from being a cosmic accident, the accident, the act of sex, is a message from God speaking profoundly. And it's, it's about the essential message of all things, which is that God would send His Son to save sinners and to abide with them forever. When those sinners are broken down, when those sinners are bored with Jesus, when they're uh, rebellious, this Jesus is going to abide with them. Okay? First point today uh, we're going to look at is that sex is of only a blessing in the context of marriage between a man and his wife, okay? Uh, we've got a lot of ideas about sex, but we, we don't have the good ideas necessarily. We kind of have what we naturally come up with. I was on uh, Lindsay the other day, crossing Lindsay at ASS, Lindsay and ASS, and, and I saw a guy standing there, And I, as I tend to do being a minister guy, trying to meet people. I, start, I strike up conversations with people. It's what I do. It's my job. So this particular guy was very interesting to me. He was a freshman, probably weighed about 115 pounds, and a uh, guy, um, and so... He had a dumbbell in one hand, about a 20-pound dumbbell, and a water jug in the other hand. It's a very strange combination, is it not? Um, well, I asked him, so what's up with the dumbbell? Okay. And he told me, look, I'm a computer science major, and I'm tired of looking like this. He wants to rock and bod, <laughs> to, go to, the, to go to spring break, the beach. He wants to be a muscle man. He wants to be a computer science guy and have the guns, like, like a campus minister might have, I suppose, uh, or somebody else that gets to work out for a living, or a bodybuilder directing traffic, perhaps. Okay, So if you've seen that commercial, it's a great commercial. So, but but he, had a, he, had a, he had an idea of a plan of what he wanted to do, but he didn't really have any, like, a good strategy to get there. He, he had an idea, but it's a terrible idea. Okay, One dumbbell Okay, and a, and a jug of water, terrible. Terrible. Um, We've got ideas about sex. We don't know exactly what we are doing with it a lot of times. We're carrying it around like a, like a um, jug and a, a dumbbell and no idea what we're doing with it. So uh, feminist author uh, Mammy Watt said this about our current state in history and time. She says, uh, The feminist message of autonomy filtered through the pornographized culture. So feminist message into pornographic culture. The message young women heard was to just go for it sexually. We've raised a generation of young women and men who don't understand sexual ethics. They don't see sex as sacred or even very important anymore. Sex has been commodified and drained of its deeper meaning. Naomi Watts. Uh, I think she's right on. Uh, That's exactly what I'm proposing today, is that we can either make sex God Or we can make sex nothing. Okay? Sex is either God or nothing. So I really want to change the points on our outline. So as I was going through making the sermon, I gave Ann the outline before, but it changed. Okay? So first point, knock that out. Sex is not God. Okay? It's not going to be rest for your soul. That's not what it is. or it's not going to be nothing. An example of being nothing, um, I was in the union today, and um, there was a lady handing out condoms, and fine thing to do, right? Handing out condoms. But she had a, a, a get-up on with a... With a did y'all, anyone see this girl? She had a mask on, a cape, uh, tights, and she called herself Galactic, Prophylactic Girl. Okay? She was kind of mocking the whole... You know, just kind of being funny. Uh, and so... For her, sex is no big deal. You just got to be safe. You got to come get your condoms, okay? It's, it's, just, it's just as natural as any other, you know, eating food or whatever, okay? It's, 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 and so it's so common to her that she can kind of crudely talk about it, dress up in a goofy costume, and make fun of it. How have you, how have you experienced it? Um, you know, guys have been trained to reduce women to body parts for a long time, okay? Uh, breast size, bra size... Uh, rear ends, okay, all that stuff. That's what guys are trained to think about, women. And women are right there, too, okay? Um, I think with, with the advent of boy bands, um, yeah, we, we, women are, other things, of course, but women are catching up to men in objectifying the opposite sex. And so, so much so, I think now, that at our current cultural moment, that flirting is now sometimes, sometimes composed of a sex message of your own body parts to one another, um, body parts in a in a text message. Um, you go for it because sex is everything. So you're gonna put yourself out there in that way. And, and there's a, there's a comedian um, Aziz and uh, something or other, okay, who actually said that he, when he goes around um, touring, he will um, do a kind of an informal poll of his audience. And 60 to 70 percent of women have received a a um, a picture of, of male parts uh, for, in their text messages, um, according to him. So um, that's, that's pretty um, far gone from thinking sex is a sacred thing that to be enjoyed in marriage. And so in that, you, you see we're simultaneously making it everything but then nothing. Okay? And I want to argue that it's neither one of those, and we're going to talk about what it does say tonight, but I want you to see that and believe it. Because you could go on and add to that of your current moment where you live. Um, I want to bring beautiful simplicity to you tonight. To you tonight. Uh, I want to give you a context to understand sex that's going to be helpful to you. Okay? Not just a rule of don't do it to your marriage. Okay? No sex to your marriage. That's the rule. Okay? That's the rule. You've got to abide by it. And if you messed up, you've got to turn it around quick because that's the rule. The rule, the rule, the rule. And I'm going to affirm the rule. But I want to give you a, a, a way to understand the rule in a, in a way that makes sense. It's not just some rule sitting out there in space that's sort of arbitrary and God sort of a killjoy that wants you to have fun. Okay, I want you to think about it in a term that makes sense, in a way. And maybe you've never thought about why it is that God does that, but that we're going to look at it tonight. Um, so sex is not God. Sex is not going to give you rest. First, who wrote this book that we just read? Maybe y'all don't know that. Who wrote this book? Ephesians. Ephesians is written by a guy named Paul. And Jesus. Jesus is Jesus actually... Speaking through Paul. So both the authors of this book, Jesus and Paul, what's noteworthy about them? They didn't have sex on task. Okay? They were not in a married relationship. They were single men. Okay? Unmarried men. The simple point here is that Jesus and Paul lived fulfilled human lives without ever having to engage in sex. You can still be a viable person if you're not having sex. Contrary to the 40-year-old virgin, which i will probably never seen, because that's probably from my college days. No. Okay, thank you for not seeing that. Uh, or guys in the locker room, bat, the bachelor, what the bachelor might communicate to you. Sex is not God, and you can find rest for your souls apart from it. Um, I want to say... I wanna, do an illustration here, and y'all bear with me. Um, it's, it's not going to be completely obvious where we're going, but maybe it is. I'm going to say sex is like the Honda minivan commercial, okay? If you, if you, when I say swagger wagon, does that mean anything to you? Okay, swagger wagon. Like my, I, I have the best minivan in the world. Meredith and I have this great minivan. It's Honda Odyssey. and uh, we have um, Now, no one wants you, when you're driving a Honda minivan okay no one except moms because moms understand that's a great car it's the best one to have as a dad okay because you're driving your your car and you've got it full of kids and they're all watching uh, they've got a screen that comes down in the back and you can watch movies and so it makes road trips bearable Uh, it's got the leather seat so that the inevitable spills don't ruin your day because it just kind of falls off into the floor and you can clean the floor out every six months and it's great Okay, so, like, it just makes your life easier. There is a door that goes, opens, and shuts. Don't get the expedition, y'all. Get the minivan, because your wife is going to be happier uh, if you get the minivan, guys, when you buy the car. Um, It may add 1% to 2% more sex to your marriage, okay? Like, it's actually going to help you just a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying it's not going to revolutionize your life, but it might help, okay? So it's the one to go with, okay? Well, sex is like the commercial, okay? Because it communicates the value, but it's not the thing. Okay? Sex is not the thing you want. Um, it's, it's the value that's behind it. It's communicating what something is, the commercial, but it's not the reality. Sex is the commercial. It's not the minivan. Okay? Now, no one gets that because you don't have minivans. Uh, but let's not go too far there. The world goes to sex is God, sex is everything. I've got to have it if I'm going to find rest. I've got to, I've got to find that person. And we've got to have great sex, cosmic sex. It's going to be great. Well, okay, if that's the case, you can also make sex just recreation, okay? Sex is just recreation. Sex is no big deal. Prophylactic galactic woman, okay? It's no big deal. It's it's, it's not profound. It's not sacred, so you can just jump from one bed to the couch to another place. Um, It's no big deal. Have y'all seen the movie Vanilla Sky? Y'all seen it? It opens with, it's a Tom Cruise film. Tom Cruise wakes up in bed, and you see that he has slept with Cameron Diaz uh, the previous night, and he's a bachelor. He's just kind of using Cameron Diaz. That becomes obvious throughout the movie, and you see that that she cannot deal with the fact that he is using her for sex. He's bored. He wants her in his bed for sex, and then he discards her. He doesn't even invite her to his birthday party. So, the very next day after seeing or after waking up with him. He sees her talking to Penelope Cruz's character and flirting with her and spending the night with her, and she can't handle it. So she tricks him into getting into a car with her. And she asks him, "What what, what what are you doing? What's happiness for you? And she says this to him. She says, look, when you have sex with somebody, you make a promise. Your body makes a promise whether or not you do or not. It is a profound thing to engage in that with somebody. And so she loses her mind and drives off a bridge because she cannot bear living in a world in which this man is telling her one thing with his body and he's not making the promise to her in his heart. He's using her. She goes crazy. She loses it and drives off a bridge. It's a very interesting movie. Um, So the point two is really just an application of of the opposite extreme. Because there's dysfunction in saying something with your body and then finding out that the person is lying to you. It can send you out of control and grasping for identity. That's what we've been talking about, the ruin of relationships. We're meant for community with one another and, and community with God. And then we start spiraling out of control and looking for some kind of place to land. And it feels good to, fa- to feel that connection to someone that's deep and abiding. But look, it's not intended to be that outside of marriage, because there's no commitment. Y'all, he, can, he or she can break up with you tomorrow, and it can all be a lie. Okay? So that's, that's where we live. I worked at a, a snow cone stand when I was in college uh, one time, and I got, um, well, I don't know how I did this, but I got sugar in my phone. Okay, this is back when you had, like, this is before cell phones even. I didn't have a cell phone. We had like a regular phone. I don't know. Y'all have never seen those, but you know, like like a regular phone that you dial, uh, you push buttons and dial. Well, the receiver had gotten sugar in it. Okay, so whenever somebody would call the Snow Cone Shack, I'd open, you know, pick up the phone, and and I, I I could hear them, but they couldn't hear me, and it was extremely frustrating for them. Okay, Um, well, I think we've got sugar in the phone here. Okay, Uh, we all kind of get that sex is something greater than ourselves. But we have muted or clogged our headphones to where we can't hear what it's saying. What is it really saying? We know it's profound because we desire it so greatly. We want that connection so greatly with somebody, but we just cannot get what it's saying. We can't hear it. We need the Bible to tell us that. Only the Bible can we hear where, what it is and how it relates to our lives in a greater story. It's actually something beyond our physical connection in sex. Okay, so... Look, at, look with me again at verse, uh, thir- verse 28 and following. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. God gives us bodies. Okay? We are bodily people. We have bodies and we, we instinctually care about them. Uh, we take care of our skin, our face. Our, our, our muscles. We might even lift a, a dumbbell on the way to class. We do that because we take care of our bodies. So the calling is to love your wife or your husband, love them as you'd love your own body, to care for them more than you care for yourself because you care about yourself a whole lot. For no one ever hates on flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. To care about someone. You wouldn't lie to somebody, would you, in that way? You wouldn't use them in that way? You would want them to do that to you? Why would you do that? There's something greater, see. Uh, it says, here's what, here's what it's about, verse 31. A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. That mystery is profound, and what I'm saying is that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So Paul there quotes that ancient text of Genesis about God's instituting sex and in marriage and says it speaks of something greater than itself. Like the commercial does, like the minivan commercial does. You can't get your kids anywhere in a commercial. You've got to have the real thing, okay? You've got to have the commitment, the level of commitment, the marriage relationship where, where somebody... It, see, sex is put in the context of somebody who's going to care about you more than his own body to make you beautiful, to, to take away any blemish. Look at verse 27. This guy will take away all spots, all blemishes, love you to make you holy, wash you with water, care for you, not use you. Girls, that, that, guys, that's what That's what it's about. Um, somebody, so, so sex only makes, context, uh, only makes sense in a context following somebody that you could walk down the aisle and trust your life with. That's the only way it makes sense. That's where it follows in this text. It naturally moves down to, when we're talking about Christ in the church, the most profound way to think about it is this sexual connection where you can't tell where one person begins and the other ends. The only other way I can think of that, that, that's, that that's unique is my wife and her fourth baby. I mean, you can't tell where she begins and the baby begins. And it's like this, like she has a person inside of her. Uh, it is weird. A person bouncing on her bladder. She's probably going to go right now. I mean, so like, like so like, you're, you're being, she's right here. Uh, I made her think about it. So she's like, like, she's getting, like, like you're so connected that you affect each other. Uh, in, in profound ways. Like, my wife can, can affect me in ways no one can. I can affect her in ways nobody can. And everyone who's married can know that feeling. Um, r- sex is, um, is a lie apart from me. Um, running, uh, I, well, I like to run now. Occasionally you can tell by my physique, of course. Um, I'm trying for a half marathon. And, um, you know, I, it's a struggle for me, y'all. It's really a struggle. If I don't have my iPod and headphones in, I'm I'm dead duck. I mean, I went yesterday and tried to run, and I made it. I got, two days ago, I ran four miles, which I'm trying to go for 13.1. That's just not, it's, I'm like a third of the way there almost. But I'm, I'm trying to run four the next day, and I ran. I forgot my headphones, my iPod, and I ran a mile. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm laughing at myself. That was terrible, okay? I can't do this. Why? Because I did not have, I have a tiger blaring in my ear to pick me up. I didn't have Rocky's theme song. I didn't have that. I need those kind of pick me up so I'm just slugging along, just struggling. And I need that, I need that jolt in my ears. Okay? That's what sex is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a jolt in your ear to keep you going. Not just you, but everybody in the community. Okay, you don't have to... See, Jesus didn't have this sex thing. He didn't have have to experience that. Paul didn't have to experience that. But he had to see marriages experiencing that. I've got my boss here, Keith Berger, in the house. Okay, uh, Keith Berger, Wave. Okay, yes. Okay, one of my true joys is going to uh, staff training with with Keith and uh, campus ministers that are in RUF from all over the country. We have 148 campuses now. And just to... when When I stand in that room and worship with these people... I think about God's goodness in abiding with all these families. I mean like there are marriages represented from every state. And that God that these people aren't killing each other. They aren't divorcing. Like they're staying together even though life is hard. God's been faithful to all these people. See what marriage is and sex is supposed to be is a picture of God's faithfulness to you. That's what you're about. Um, That Jesus would abide with you even when you're tired of Him, even when you're grumpy, uh, you're bored with Him, you're, you're apathetic, He's going to track you down. He's not going to leave you. That's what sex says, that you're profoundly one with Him because He has taken away all the obstacles. He's, he has taken your sin, all of your apathy, all your rebellion upon Himself, and died on a cross to alleviate it forever. And we're, all of us that, that are trusted in that, He's never going to leave us. And so when you have sex with somebody, that's what it's saying. I'm never going to leave you. I'm one with you. I'm, I'm sticking with you. That's what it's about. No, no, I don't care what committed relationship you're in. It cannot sustain that kind of, that kind of promise. You have to be in that marriage relationship. It's that. Um, it's two people so wrapped up intimately with one another that you can't tell one ends, one begins. You're so committed. That's it. Right. Only a husband and wife relationship can do that. Y'all, it's not a verse. Like the, okay, so when you're, when you're on... Okay, I want to give you help here. I want, this would be entirely practical for you. Uh, I want you to have a positive view about sex. So when you're on the couch, in the dark, movies on, you're snuggling up somebody, and you're holding hands, maybe you kiss, uh, that feels good. Your body tingles. And thou shalt not commit adultery or don't commit fornication that, is that stuff really going to help you in that moment? Are you really going to be able to hear it? Are you, are your, are your, are your, is your iPod going to be clogged? Are you going to peter out <laughs> and fall apart like I did uh, in my workout? Um, where are you going to be? You gonna, you've got to have a bigger vision of what sex is. It's, this, this, is old, this, this sexual ethic is not just some kind of old-fashioned thing that no one really believes anymore, and we're so wise. Okay, we can have sex anytime we want to with anybody we wants to. Um, how's that working out for us? Not well. We're all hurting. We're all broken. We're all sad. We're, we, we're obsessed with our body. We've got anxiety. We've got school violence. We've got cyberbullying. We've got all kinds of issues, and we're freewheeling it in sex in our country. Okay? It, it, it's, it's that we're meant to function best in bodies. Sex is good. Relating to one another in a, as a husband and wife relationship, and sex is a picture of what we have promised to do for one another but it's also a picture of the one who's who's actually promised and kept it in a perfect way. Christ has fulfilled all of God's promises to His people and all of our promises that we have broken. He's fulfilled them. Okay, it, that's what it is. Our bodies are good. Our sexual desires are good. God created them and He made them, but they're meant to tell the right story. They're meant to really uh, help us understand what we're made for. We're made for union with God, and sex tells us that. So, uh, a couple things. Uh, if you want to, a real practical thing, and we'll end it, um, Christians here tonight, if you want to evangelize your world, okay, some of us are crazy about telling people about Jesus. Um, if you want to do that, think about marriage, about sex. I want, I want you to commit to that. If you want to end sex trafficking, if you want to tell people about, about the gospel, the first step is to affirm marriage, which means... Not delaying marriage as an afterthought. Not waiting till you're 35. Okay, maybe it means you get married younger, but enter into marriage and be faithful. Uh, it's showing showing faithful love to a person who's not always easy to love. Okay, even in your, in your even your marriages, I mean your friendships right now, it's showing abiding friendship to people that are not easy to love. That's how we stop things. That's how we spread the word. Um, it's making people great uh, at great cost to yourselves. It's getting over yourself to do that. Um, marriages and the sex that's in them show us the good news, that people aren't leaving each other. They're sticking together. It shows that the faithful God who saved us will abide with us and redeem us and patiently, patiently and powerfully love us forever. The church. Is that marriage? Is that people abiding with one another? Okay, and sex has to be in the right context. So um, let me close the story. Um, there was a, a couple out to dinner, much like tomorrow night. It was a Valentine's Day dinner, and um, there's a, a guy named Richard Branson who is telling the story on Virgin.com. This is the billionaire guy, Richard Branson. Um, He's telling the story about a generous man named uh, Pankaj Shah. He was in the same restaurant up in Boston. And he had this habit of paying anonymously for people's meals when they were dining out. On that particular night, he asked the staff of his favorite restaurant here to find the couple in the restaurant who looked the most in love. Okay, pray for this tomorrow, y'all, those that are going on dates, okay? Um, That this guy will be in your restaurant. Um, The restaurant people looked around and told Shaw who it was, he paid for them, and then he went on his way. He never gave it much more thought after that. This is what he does. He pays for people's meals. He wants people to have a good time and be you know, impressed, I guess, that someone would do that. So he returned to Boston three years later, uh, and something really amazing happened. He went back to that same restaurant to eat. The manager came up to him and told him that the same couple he had paid for three years ago was there again, right there, okay? That's a coincidental thing, isn't it? The same couple there three years later. Okay, the manager said that he knew it was them because the guy just got down on his knee and proposed to, to his date right there. Three years later, okay? When he asked them why they'd chosen that particular restaurant, you know, as, as he was curious. He says, the guy said they were sitting at the same table three years ago and some stranger paid for their meal and made them think about kindness and love, and they've been talking about it ever since. They've incorporated it in their lives, and they try to do things like that too. Um, and so they couldn't think of any other way that they could do this engagement thing than right there where they have this most impactful memory. Um, that's, that story kind of gives me goosebumps because that's what I think is the gospel. Okay, Somebody has, you know, given us this unmerited kindness, and so it creates a desire to love, a desire to be faithful, a desire to serve, and to get together in life and be people who are about kindness as well. They were there enjoying a meal with no expectations of anything, but paying their own bill when all of a sudden a stranger swoops in and made it amazing. Okay, Those of you have been minding your own business, maybe in life, and then somebody swooped in and made, it, made your life amazing. It's Jesus. Jesus can take all the weight off of you, all the shame off of you. Because look, none of us are pure. We're all broken sexually. And God can take all that off, take all those debts you've owed, and give you a free meal, a meal that He's paid for. You need to be impacted by grace first. kindness, Unexpected, Undeserved is the only way. Only when you know a God like that is sex in a married relationship a sign that someone will pay for you. Only then will it make sense to you. Only then will you know what what the greater story is. And I pray that you know that greater story. Someone like that wants to know you. Someone like that wants to pay for you. Someone like that wants to commit to you and choose you and abide with you and that love is from Christ. That's the thing, y'all. And I pray that y'all will internalize that. That's my prayer for you, is that this semester, that that great love that Jesus endured on the cross will be the thing that will change you, not the verses about, no, oh, we don't have sex. Just, just self-control, y'all. Well, I think that we're, we're, that's going to come when you see someone greatly love you, someone that, greatly, that you're so grateful for that they would take you and pay for you and care for you in that way that it's going to change your life, just like it changed this unsuspecting couple. So as we internalize it, may He bless us. Let's pray. We'll wrap it up. Our Father, Lord, help us. We need, we need you to show up uh, what we're to do, how we're to be men and women who glorify You with our bodies. Lord, we pray that uh, You would uh, create conversations uh, that would begin uh, radical heart change in us, Uh, That we could be strong when faced with temptations. uh, That we could believe that you've forgiven us because your blood is sufficient to do so. As we sing these songs, may we may we think about what you've done for us and how it is final. It is accomplished. It is finished. And may we rejoice in that. And may we start uh, looking at your at your what you've done for us and how the thing you've given us this great gift is strictly a commercial uh, for what you've done. Your deep and abiding love with people like us, sinners. Lord, we pray that we would find that union with you and it would change us. Help us, we pray. Uh, Those of us who have known you for a long time and those of us that are just getting to know you, we're all in the same need of hearing that message over and over. Would would sex in context, in a marriage context, that we see married couples thinking about or doing, would you you help us to take that and, and believe it is, is a picture of your love for us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, closing exhortation here and a prayer request before we sing. Um, think, about, well, um, uh, think about some of our students here. Um, we've got uh, Rachel Wheeler uh, who shared a prayer request with me just, um, before we started tonight. I wanted to pray for that. And also Leslie and Amy Giuliani. Giuliani, uh, Giuliano, Giuliano right? Okay. Um, okay. Um, Rachel, um, her her um, cousin Elizabeth had an infant uh, daughter die, Clara, and so I want to pray for their family. Um, That's a that's a hard cross to bear. That is a hard trial, and we want to pray that Jesus would be close to them in that. And I want to also pray for the Juliana's, who their mother had to go to urgent care, emergency room last night. Uh, Was you don't know that? Okay, (laughs) okay, Um, yeah, so. That happened last night, and she's doing better. Or, as far as I know, she's improving. Okay, scary. Okay, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you that you uh, bring us into community uh, that where we can share one another's burdens and and know your heart a little better. That that where we where we've got psalms that that speak to us, and we can pray those words when when it's hard for us to to even vocalize what we want. And so I pray, uh, Lord, that your faithfulness does extend to the heavens and to the skies, uh, even when we lose, even when we lose children, even when our family is sick, even when we lose loved ones, Lord, you're with us and you're good. And we don't, we don't understand all the reasons, but we know you're doing something. And so I pray for Rachel's family. I do pray for, for that uh, sweet mother and father. I pray for Elizabeth. Um, who's lost Clara. And, and we, we, we know that um, we know how deeply we love and, and how, we, how deeply we feel when we lose. And so, uh, Lord, Lord, would you be with them? Would you grace them with your spirit? Um, Lord, we think about all the people that endure hardships, and we, we wonder how they can do it. And we see that you uphold them, and so we pray for your care for them. We don't have the answers, but we know that you are good and faithful. And, and with them, Lord Jesus, uh, you know us, Lord Jesus, because you've lived in our skin and you've lived in our flesh and our bodies, and you've dealt with loss and you've dealt with heartache and you've dealt with our fears. And so as we are afraid and as we're um, angry, and we know we can bring that to you because you feel it as well, and you're making it right. Lord, we pray for the Giuliano's uh, mother, Louise, that you'll give her uh, full recovery that you'll bless her, that you'll bless her husband, Don, and that you'll bless the daughters, the whole family, and and knit her back to health, uh, and and give her give her good good health. Uh, restore her back to health that she might love you and serve you and, and bring about your kingdom's advancement and love her daughters and her husband well in the years she has, we pray. Lord God, would you be with us and we give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. Coach, okay, you want to do one more?